Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 3, Term 1. This is Lesson 6. We are going to pick up exactly where we left off in John chapter 3 and verse 31. John now goes on to say, He who comes from above is above all. Now, he's going to, have, he's going to make a little play on words, okay? So, he who comes from above is above all. Do you get the picture he's drawing? Isn't it incredible? Okay, first of all, he says, he's not from the same realm we are. You know, we all got born down here. We're scratching around. He came from somewhere else. And because he came from an elevated position, he is elevated above us all. I mean, we don't even know half the things he knows. Remember he said, only the one that has been to heaven knows what heaven is like, knows what God is like. Amen. He said, you are guessing down here, basically. I know. <laughs> okay? All right. We'll talk about all this in a minute. So again, he says again, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth, that's all the humans, okay, is earthly and speaks of the earth. He, co- he who comes from heaven is above all. And he says it again. All right? So he wants to make this point. You're not from there. I'm not from there. That's what he's trying to say. You are getting upset with someone. You are trying to get me to compete with someone that is from a whole nother realm. I can't even go there. That, that's just not even... <laughs> that's a useless fight, man. It's just pointless. Okay. Leon Morris writes, The Baptist is from the earth. He does not come from above. His teaching is important, but it must always be borne in mind that it is of earthly origin. The repeated affirmation that Christ is above all is impressive. He is absolutely preeminent, that is Jesus Christ. The words refer to all things and all people. So when he said he is above all, he meant above all things and above all people. Added to this, D.A. Carson says that in the immediate context, John the Baptist must become less. Verse 30. Because he is from the earth, and therefore belongs to the earth. Inevitably, he speaks as one from the earth. Did you get all that? Okay. He is from the earth, belongs to the earth, therefore he speaks as one from the earth. Okay. Alright. He called people to repentance and to baptism in water. But he could not reveal heaven's counsels, nor could he offer regeneration from above. The long-promised renewal of water and spirit. Thus, although he was sent from God, that's John 1.6, he too fits into the restriction of being earthly and speaking only of things pertaining to the earth. Only the Son of Man can speak with supreme authority of heavenly things. For He alone testifies to what He has seen and heard in the heavenly sphere. Wow. Get it? And that's why He says in verse 32, And what He has seen and heard, that He testifies. And no one... Okay, that is no one of the Jewish leadership as a whole, all right, that's in John 1 11, receives his testimony. Isn't that sad? So John is saying, this man has knowledge, insight, revelation. He's, he's got first hand experience, things that we have no idea of, things that we want to look into. We're, we're always looking into the mysticals and trying to figure out, you know, what's it like? He's been there. 
He's from there. He's trying to tell us. And we're too stupid to listen. Is what John is saying. Not us. Because we're listening. Okay. Okay. But them Jews, you know. (laughs) That's the reason why. I I, I don't know if you've noticed this or not. But in the Gospel of John, John always just refers to the Jews as the Jews. He doesn't call them Pharisees or Sadducees. He just says Jews. You know, if you're a Jew, you've got a problem. <laughs> Basically, it's the way it comes across, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, never mind. Let's keep going. I want to say something else, but it's not in the spirit. All right. So <laughs> Leon Morris points out that the teaching of the Master is not a hypothesis put forward as a basis for discussion. See, Jesus doesn't say, blah, 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 what do you think? He says, blah, 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 that's how it is. There's no argument. Well, we think, yeah, that's what you think. This is what I know. I've been there, I saw, this is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you what I've seen, what I've experienced. Amen? That's why he was upset with Philip. Who was Philip? He said, you know, show us the Father. He went, dude, (laughs) what do you think you've been looking at all this time? Whose words do you think I've been speaking all this time? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You can, <laughs> we don't get how powerful that statement is. That tells us, without a doubt, that not only is Jesus from heaven, but He knows God in a way nobody else knows Him. And He is God in a way nobody else can even comprehend. He himself is God. That's why, see, that's why John starts with, he didn't say in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Okay? He says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We've got two gods here. Did you get that? And we need to get that. You see, we're not following a prophet or a good man. We are following God. There were two entities, God entities that were discussed in that verse. And if we don't get that, we'll keep falling into, well, what makes your religion better than ours? It's not a religion. We worship God Himself. Amen? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Hallelujah and thank you, Jesus. Alright, back to this. (laughs) Okay. Can I reread this? Yeah, all right. The teaching of the Master is not, is not a hypothesis put forward as a base of a discussion. He teaches what he knows. It is what he has seen and heard in the heavenly sphere that bears his witness among people. Even though none of his intended audience, the Jewish leaders, received it. See, he came to let them know what was going on. They should have been the ones that went... Oh, we get it now. We understand the Holy of Holies. We understand all the rituals and all the stuff we've been doing. That's why we're doing it. That should have been light bulbs going off everywhere. Instead, no, we don't like you. You know, you're a false messiah. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. That would be frustrating, wouldn't it? Okay. (laughs) So we see an example of this in John chapter 8, verse 13, where it says that the Pharisees challenged him. 
Here you are, appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. Oh, we're going to look at that. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm past that one. But dear Jesus, that is one of the most powerful chapters that there is. See, a lot of people don't realize what goes on in that chapter. Because of what they say here, he then begins to give them an explanation and begins to share with them things that if they listened, would have convinced them that he was the Messiah. Right? Because they were saying things, I so want to preach on this, but let me make it really short, okay? See, they said, here you are appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. And then he begins by saying, the scriptures testify of me. John the Baptist testified of me. The heavens opened up and God testified of me. Were you there? No. <laughs> okay. There was a lot of stuff going on. Because they revered John. Remember his parents were of priestly background. Remember that? Okay. So for them to make such a dumb statement. Showed that they weren't really interested about whether he was the Messiah or not. They were just insecure and they were having problems. He was challenging so much of what they were teaching. And exposed them for what they really were. Vipers and snakes and just horrible people. While they did all these things in the name of God. And they were the furthest thing from God. And they didn't like that. So there they are. Spouting off stuff that doesn't make any sense. But Jesus will answer them. Alright? But not in this chapter. Okay. <laughs> and... <laughs> As bad as this was, there would be those who would receive him. And so it says in John chapter 3 and verse 33, the next verse, He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. In other words, as D.A. Carson puts it, by accepting Jesus' testimony as to what he has seen and heard, the believer has certified that God is truthful. Not just that Jesus is truthful, but that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Did you get that? Okay. Jesus so completely says and does all that God says and does, and only what God says and, the, and does, that to believe Jesus is to believe God. Conversely, not to believe Jesus is to call God a liar. That's powerful, isn't it? Hmm? In John chapter 5, well, hang on a second. They would not receive Him. And regardless of whether or not they saw the heavens open up, regardless of whether or not they wanted to believe John the Baptist, regardless of all those things, people were being healed. Demons were being cast out. There was power being displayed like nobody else had ever done before. That was proof that God... Remember Nicodemus? He said, we know you are from God because of what you do. We know that. We know that unless God is with you, you can't do this stuff. Amen? So you can't say, well, you know, they could have had an argument. They had no argument. No basis for their argument. They, they just shut their eyes and they did not want to see. Amen? Okay. That is where the, the weightiness of that statement, not to believe Jesus, is to, go, is to call God a liar. Because God was the one that was behind everything that Jesus did. Amen? 
All right. In John chapter 5, verse 19, we have Jesus saying there, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. Now I want you to catch that statement. I want you to understand the depth of what Jesus has just said. And again, we'll look at this in detail when we get to this chapter. But notice He says, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself. In other words, He's saying, listen, everything that I do, you people accuse me of healing on the Sabbath, and that I'm breaking God's laws. I'm telling you, I can't do anything as far as healing goes, unless God is with me. Unless I'm doing what God has commissioned me to do. So you need to understand that your law is going against what God is doing. (laughs) You're not protecting God in any way or form. You're actually coming against what He is doing. Check your stuff. It's wrong. Do you get this? Amen? We'll look at all this stuff later. Alright. So again He says, The Son of Man can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. When does He see the Father doing these things? In prayer. See, prayer to Jesus was not some little religious activity. Prayer to Jesus was, okay, turn the video on. Let's have a look what's going to happen next. Oh. <laughs> okay? Yes, you're going to meet this guy. He's going to be under a tree. And you're going to meet him. And he's going to say, does any good thing come from Nazareth? And you're going to say, I saw you under the tree. The, only pl- the place that only God would see. And you're going to freak him out. He's going to say, you're the Christ and all the rest of it. He won't mean it that much, but you know, he's going to say that. You're going to go, okay, got it. So you know what? You don't get offended when somebody goes, and it is not a- he's go- yeah, heard that. Didn't take me by surprise. Already knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Get it? Amen. God never wanted you to be taken by surprise in any way, unless it was a nice surprise. Unless he kind of popped something out of the bag, you know? Blessed you with something. But never that the devil would get a foothold in your life or advantage over you. Sideswipe you in some way and you just weren't ready. When you go into the prayer closet, you see, whatever we expect, we'll get. If you go to the prayer closet and expect to be bored for half an hour, well, you'll be bored for half an hour. That's called fellowshipping with yourself. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) When you fellowship with God, it's very exciting. You know, as, as I'm praying, things will start coming to mind. I have almost got to a place where I'm used to them. and It's not a good thing in one sense. But on the other hand, if I don't get certain things, I question what happened there. Because I'm used to God talking to me and revealing things to me and saying this is coming up or watch out for this or watch your heart in here or even that thing that you're dealing with, there's the answer for it. And you know this thing over here that you're doing, it's better if you do it this way. And you go, oh, gee, that is a better way. (laughs) You know, I mean, that should be going on all the time. When you come out of your prayer time, you should be writing things down and going, okay, I need to remember to do that. Please write them down. Others, you know what's going to happen? The moment you step into your prayer time again, that'll be the first thing on the items. Uh, you forgot. Oh, I'm sorry, God. I'll remember next time. And again, you don't write it down. And then you come back and again, Oh, I'm sorry, God. And he goes, My God, is this guy ever going to get it? No, he won't do that. He is long-suffering. Anyway, <laughs> but the thing is that you need to understand that it, is, it should be a time where God just starts to open things up and you start to see things. Amen? Don't spend so much time... Now listen to me carefully. 
I don't want a mental amen on this one. Don't spend so much time focused on what you want to do in your prayer time that you don't allow God to get a word into you edgewise. Your wisdom doesn't come from all the stuff that you are bombarding yourself with or stuff that you are saying or anything else. It comes when you're waiting on God. Okay, that means things need to be quiet. You can have some music on that doesn't have any words. And if it's a song that you're singing to, turn it off. <laughs> okay? Can I say that? It's not working for you, dude. Uh, you're off somewhere again. Okay? Okay, so you, you need to have something that gets you into the right place spiritually and mentally and allows God to start sharing things with you. And you'll be surprised at the wisdom that you start developing in your life. And you'll be surprised at how many things that you thought you should have said that God says, you know what, better if you didn't say that. What about this instead? You go, oh, wow, that's so much better. Do you hear me? And you'll become light and salt to everyone around you rather than something else. Okay, moving on. So again, he says here, for, the, for whatever he does, Whatever the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. Alright. Added to this, Jesus also says in John chapter 12 and verse 50, And I know that His commandment is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Okay? So He's saying, anything that is coming out of my mouth is coming from God. Alright? So trust anything that is coming from me as being directly from God. This isn't my opinion. This isn't my wisdom. It is His instruction. Get it? Okay. That being the case then, as Carson pointed out again, to not believe Jesus then is to call God a liar. Now do you see it? Alright. Further to all this, William Hendrickson also points out that those who accept Christ's testimony concerning Himself, namely that He is the Son of God, thereby set the seal of their approval upon God's own testimony regarding Jesus. Thou art my beloved Son. Remember Luke 3.22. They show that they believe that God is true in thus addressing Jesus. What is affirmed here in a positive way is stated negatively in 1 John 5.10, He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony which God has borne concerning his Son. Once more, Leon Morris goes on to say that those who accept Christ are recognizing the heavenly origin of Jesus. They are acknowledging the truth of God's revelation in Christ. They are proclaiming to all their deep conviction that God is is true. Now, one of the key things you need to get from this quote is the fact that when you accept Christ, you recognize that He's not earthly, that He is actually God. Amen? He has come from heaven. He died, resurrected, and returned to heaven. Remember Stephen? When they were stoning Him, and He, he saw heaven open up, and He saw Jesus at the right hand of God. They stoned him even some more. You know? <laughs> I mean, these people, no wonder John called them the Jews. He always were killing people off left, right, and center for believing in their God. Let's continue. John 
Now, I want to say something more about this quote. He also says they're acknowledging the truth of God's revelation in Christ. The truth of God's revelation in Christ. That God is revealing Himself in Christ. That's, that's why if you want to know what God is like, that's why they always say, if you want to know what God is like, look at what Jesus is like. Now, they don't take that far enough. Because they don't then take it and say, well, when the Bible says, and Jesus healed them all, that God wants everybody healed. See that? You, you're going to do that, then you better just take it for everything it's worth. Do you understand? And look at Jesus' mercy. They bring a woman taken in adultery. Instead of stoning her, he turns around to them and says, Let he who is without sin cast her for a stone. And everybody, and then he writes stuff on the <laughs> ground. And I just reckon he pulled all of their files. And they just walk off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably started writing names of ladies and stuff. And the guy with the whole bigger stone goes, <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> I'm leaving now. <laughs> I thought nobody knew about that one. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, it, it's a funny thing. It's a, it's a funny thing. I have found this to be true. The people that judge people the most are the people that have the most to be judged in their life. Did you get that? And the people that are forgiving the most have the least to be judged in their life. Because of the walk that they have in their life, they understand the pressures and the things that they go through. They understand we're not perfect. They understand that we all slip. And they understand that you do too. The one that is constantly doing the wrong thing and condemning, condemning themselves over it, condemns you when you do the wrong thing. It's reflective. Do you get it? Alright, let's move on. This is not every single person, do you understand? Okay? But I'm just saying, generally speaking, in, in, in a general sense, that's kind of what I've noticed. Could be wrong. All right. Verse 34, and we'll finish with this today. It says, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. Or literally, God gives the Spirit without limit. All right? The person that is speaking the words of God, this is referring to Jesus again. Okay? And he's saying that this person that has been sent by God is limitless as far as the, the measure that the Spirit will come upon him, work through him. Okay? And so he's, he's again giving us further insights into what Jesus is like. We're getting further insights into who this second member of the Godhead is. And that He literally is the second member of the Godhead. Amen? He's not a lesser God. He's just a second member. There are three of them, they're equal. Amen? Okay. In other words, the Father gives the Spirit to the Son without measure. There is perfect communion between them. There is perfect communion. They, can, they have no problem with communication. Amen? The only time is when Jesus says, if there is any way, take this cup from me. And who could blame him? Okay? I mean, he was about to not just die a horrible death on the cross. See, people don't get it. It didn't end there. It was a horrific death on the cross and then a horrific three days in hell. 
All those demons that he cast out, all the things that they wanted to do to him. We, I have read some stories about what happens down there from people that have been down there. It's horrendous. And if they hate you down there, okay, you're in big trouble, dude. I mean, you are in big trouble. Because there are things that they do down there that just goes beyond your imagination. And a few seconds down there can feel like years and years of torture. And to be there for three days and three nights, it's just horrendous. Okay? And that was why the price was paid for everything. That's why we shouldn't put up with any kind of failure in our life. That's why we, sh- we, we shouldn't allow the devil to tell us, Oh, well, you know, you have this problem now because you did the wrong thing back there. And well, now, bless God, this is your, you know, this is your harvest. Shut up. Somebody paid for my harvest down there. He shouldn't have tortured him so much if he didn't want... <laughs> okay? Hey, you did that. Now, that's, this is the price you pay. All the mistakes I made are under the blood. Past, present, future. Even the stuff I'm going to do is covered. Hallelujah. So don't mess with me. <laughs> we, we really need to come to that place of authority and power in our life. That is what will allow God to move in us in ways that we have not seen yet. Amen? Because the only thing that the devil can do to stop that power from flowing is to get you to think about something wrong you did and stop yourself. Amen? We'll talk about that later as the Lord opens the door for me to talk about stuff like that to you. Okay, so let me get back to this quote and let's finish off here. There is perfect communion between them and no limit to the gift. In fact, His perfect endowment with the Spirit guarantees the truth of His words. He is so full with the Spirit that no false communication can come out of His mouth. Amen? Everything He says is Spirit-powered, Spirit-empowered. Amen? It's got an anointing on it. So you speak to people. See, you know when there's an anointing on your life. When you speak to people, it touches them. It changes them. Something goes on inside. And they feel something has happened. And that can be joy. That can be reflection. You can give them things to think about and they go, you're right, you know. And you do it in the right way. Without judging. Amen? And they go, you're right. You know, I never really thought about that. And because you did it right, they take it. A lot of times the reason people don't like being corrected is because the attitude is wrong. Amen. You might be right, but your attitude stinks. So shut up. You're doing more damage than good. In fact, the person will do even more of that just to spite you. Amen. Always look to encourage people. Always ask yourself one question. I'll finish with this. If that was your problem... And you were really struggling with it. And you have been struggling with it. And it's not like you haven't tried to do something about it before. How would you like somebody to talk to you about it? Don't ever think you're the first person ever to have discovered this. And they don't know about it. And they should do something. Oh, gee, get over yourself. (laughs) Start by assuming that they know their problem. That they've been struggling with it for a very long time. Now, what do you want to do about that? How do you want to approach that? Amen? And I tell you, you'll make so much more progress.
Amen. Okay, let's stop there. Conclude for today. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.